Paul, Paul, when we spoke to Leo at the beginning of the second week of Wimbledon, I think he signed off saying, you never know, when we speak next week, we might have two Australian winners. He did say that, didn't Nick he? Yes. and I, Tom Lanovich, were still in Wimbledon. Well, the same two suspects are still in the US Open. Leo, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Andrew. Paul, how are you? Oh, very well. Um, both Australians are still there, Leo. Do you give them a puncher's chance of winning? And uh, if who is the better chance of winning, do you think? Well, absolutely, and uh, they, they both have a shot now. Um, and put, putting themselves again into the last eight, second major in a row. And with uh, Rafa Nadal just going out, um, I'd imagine Ooh. that Nick Kyrgios is, um, if he wasn't already, uh, I know in some markets he was a favourite. I think right now, he'd, bearing in mind he's, he's into the quarters, uh, Francis Tiafo, um has now gone a step further. Uh, but he, I'd imagine he, he would be the favourite. And on the women's side, it is... I know Iga Swantek is still in and she won this morning, but that is still wide open as well for Isla Tomlanovic. Well, when we spoke with Jared uh, about half an hour ago, Leo, the, the, the tab market was there and Rafael Nadal was out and Nick was the $2.50 favourite with tab. So it's taken down at the moment, as you just said, because Rafael Nadal has just been defeated. So... You've got to think he's probably going to go even a bit shorter than that. Yeah, he'll be definitely the favourite now, um, even though he's, he's still yet to play, um, obviously, uh, his, his quarterfinal. Um, but the win over Medvedev, um, that was just a staggering performance and just goes to show with, that when all the elements align and he does everything right, um, and he's got to get past uh, Karen Karshinov in the next round, but right now, the US Open, um, it's there for the taking for any of them who are left. And um, that ends, uh, well, potentially uh, ends Rafa's um, bid to get back to world number one. And depending on results, um, we could have Carlos Alcaraz as world number one um, or Casper Ruud coming out of the, the US Open. Um, just an extraordinary turn of events over the past 24 hours. Well, it has been, hasn't it? And uh, even though Nick has obviously uh, now come into favouritism, um, there are some fair old players still left. If you look at Berrettini, Rude, Sinner, Rublev and Alcaraz, uh, he's not over the line yet by any stretch of the imagination. Not at all. And um, in, when we talk about old Nick, um, he's one bad match or one uh, bad day in terms of how he mentally approaches things, uh, how he, he handles his emotions out there. But so far, so good. We've only seen a few flashes of... Um, his, his previous character um, and we're seeing a continuation of what we saw at Wimbledon and um, we know that you look back at his um, his titles, he's won seven three of them have come on US hard court um, so a couple in Washington um, he, he's been playing really well, uh, we saw uh, sort of in between uh, we beat uh, Medvedev in, in Montreal as well but after that there was a flash of he didn't want to be there he wanted to get home this is his last tournament um, that he's got on his schedule for a while. So he can leave it all out there. He's got doubles as well. But uh, this, this is a huge opportunity for him. Leo, he, he spoke after that last victory over Medvedev, saying that he just got sick of letting people down and fighting and fighting demons and internally and whatnot. It just became exhausting for him. It appears as though even if it's just briefly at the moment, he has moved on and maybe this the new girlfriend's really helped him out. Yeah, I think a lot of things have um, working for him now and for me, one of them was uh, the move to Sydney um, where he's playing a lot of basketball and it's almost like a, um, a gorilla type of basketball where he plays with mates and they don't care that he's a tennis player and that he's, you know, he's beaten world number ones or anything like that. They just um, regard him as an opponent in their 
competition and and I reckon it's really toughened him up mentally and given him perspective and um, I think he's always had that compassionate side to him uh, with stuff a lot of unseen stuff he does away from the court does not in any way excuse what he does when he's out there and the way that he speaks to his own people um, and I, I find that really difficult to reconcile but his management of what he does on court where the brain the heart and the athletic gifts he's got when all of those things come together you see the complete package and right now um, you know there's an argument to say with his run at Wimbledon what potentially he might do here he, he's been uh, probably the best player in the world since um, late June mm. and and uh do you think the match hardness has also uh, helped him, Leo, in as much as he's uh, playing not only lots of singles, um, but he's also playing the doubles now. I see they're down a break in the third set in their doubles uh, with him and uh, Tanasi Kokonakis, but uh, he's won doubles titles with Kokonakis. It would probably be as match fit as he's been at the moment, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And as apart from what Paul was saying about you know being happy off the court, um, the the fact that. Uh, he can use doubles as a practice session and so many times uh, when we had great Australian singles players they would say well you don't really have to go and worry about singles practice too much because you're playing doubles in competition and it sharpens um, you up and that's exactly what's happening with Nick and they've had a great run in the doubles so far winning the Australian Open this year they've, um, and other events and um, here they are if they go out today I think that'll be a blessing in disguise for him he, he's deep into the second week of a major in singles um, now is probably not a bad time to have a loss, not as, not as though they're going out there to deliberately lose because Tanasi will want to win, but doubles has been fantastic for him. We've seen some of the outrageous shots that, that Nick can pull off and you talked about chastising his own box and we see him smashing rackets and he always seems to be able to find an argument with one of the umpires and yesterday <laughs> the service timer was causing all the grief for him. Yeah, it was weird. He he had a dispute about when he thought the you know, the timer should go on uh, from the moment the ball is dead after a point to and uh, when the clock goes back on and he thought it should start from the time after he finished uh, dealing with his towels. Um, um, I'm not sure if you saw, but Daniel Medvedev had a little uh, bit to do with that as well because there was, a, I think it was pretty late in the match, but he picked up all of Kyrgios's towels and threw them in the photographer's pit at one stage from his allocated box. So the, there was a bit going on out there for Eva, the umpire. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, when you're managing egos and competitors in that white-hot uh, heat of battle, things like that happen. But, yeah, there's always something. And, you know, even his own box when, you know, he's, he's in control of a match and then he's, he's into them for not standing up. At, on a certain point um, and you know it's just like I don't know what dinner sounds like for him or looks like for him and his crew after that kind of stuff goes down because they'll be thinking hang on a minute it's the same refrain after every single match I love them I sorry that I got angry with them but they need to be supporting me more so um, yeah it's just a it just goes round and round and um, I know it infuriates a lot of people uh, but right now it seems to be working for him I'm not sure uh, how much tolerance people in the box have clearly a lot yeah well that's right uh, i'd nearly forgotten actually remember uh, early last week he spelt uh, he's uh, smelt uh, marijuana in the uh, <laughs> crowd right. and uh, someone i see mentioned uh, at the end of his career he could uh, work in airports Seriously, I don't know if it's going to go that far but what can you tell us about his, his opponent because i suppose we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves uh catching off yeah, um, he's, he's a massive presence, literally. Um, Russian player, um, and he's always been really, really dangerous. Had a lot of um, injuries over the time. Uh, the head-to-head the -head is one all, um, and uh, Nick beat him. I think it was the 2020 
Australian Open in a, a cliffhanger match. Um, so they'll both bring um, a lot of the same in terms of power. Uh, Nick, I would say, is the more athletic of the two, but uh, Kashinov on his day is very, very dangerous. And um, this is a match where if he gets a sniff, um, he, he can be like a runaway train if he gets in front. Now, turning our attention to the women's side of the draw, Leo Ayla Tomlanovic, we were speaking about that hostile crowd she faced on Saturday morning our time. They weren't really against her. It didn't matter who they, who Serena Williams was playing. They were going to be so pro-Williams. But she just handled herself so perfectly during the match and then afterwards on court, she was just 10 out of 10. She was, and it reminded me um, a little bit of when Sam Stoza won her US Open final mm. against Serena um, on the 10th anniversary of 9-11, and um, that was Viola uh, the other night. She was just... She was almost like a spectator with the best seat in the house and went out there, did a job, and did it in such style. And, you know, her fitness was crucial um, in the end, and, um, you know, she is a, a really fit, match-hardened tennis player. Um, and she's had to work really hard to come back from a lot of injuries, and here she is. She's successive... Um, Grand Slam quarterfinals. She deserves to be there. Um, she came out then and beat Samsonova, who was on a 13-match winning streak. Um, so now she's got a really tough match. She plays Ons Jabeur, the super-talented Tunisian. Um, but then uh, it's, it's new territory for both of them. Uh, Jabeur is um, into her first quarterfinal at the US Open. And for Ayla, this is an extension of what she's been doing and working hard, so hard for. And um, we know that there's going to be a lot of drop shots. And Ayla's got the fitness um, to nullify that and, and bring her own strengths into play. And if she does that, she can win this match. She'll go in, into this match as the underdog, but she is capable of winning it. And she's on a pretty tough side of the draw. We were mentioning earlier with uh, the resurgent Caroline Garcia on the other side uh, playing Coco Goff. So were she to win and Goff to win, it could be uh, last week revisited a hostile crowd in the middle of uh, New York, but she'll be ready for it. She will, and just nothing seems to phase no. her, and she just gets on with it. And that's her, her mindset's fantastic, and she's always been that way there. No histrionics, just get out there and play. And um, I think that's just her, her mentality, and that sets her apart a bit. And that, that's going to really, you know, that, that's going to really help her a lot. And you, you look at some of the results. Uh, Swantec got through today, as expected, against the super talented young um, German coming through, uh, Neymar. Uh, but, you know, on the other side, you've got Pliskova, looks like, she might have just have an edge at the moment, but that, that's got three sets against Azarenka all over it. There's so much to be played um, yet with, with Collins out there as well, still to come in. Um, she's going to be tough to beat. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a huge opportunity for Isla there. If, if, look, everything is going to, you know, it, it applies to anyone at this stage of a Grand Slam, but she potentially is going to have to beat, um, she's going to have to beat Jabeur, then um, either um, looks like maybe Golf or Garcia, um, to get to the final, and there'll be no doubt with Jess Pegula uh, uh, beating yeah. uh, Quidiver today, there's going to be a great player on the other side. Serena, Serena Williams is gone now. Leo, we don't know how much or if we'll see Rafael Nadal going on beyond too much beyond next season. We don't know what's going to happen with Roger Federer. Are there stars there to replace these absolute superstars in the game? I, I think so. I mean, they, they won't have um, the same presence. Um, Initially, but you, you look at guys, um, you know, Yannick Sinner for me is a huge talent. Um, and then, you know, he's, you just think things are falling nicely for him um, at his age. And then along comes Carlos Alcaraz, who could, you know, he's, he's still got a lot of tennis to play, but 
um, the, the feedback from the locker room about just how good this kid is, um, it, it's startling. And they talk about the creativity of, of Federer um, and the defence of Djokovic and, and what Rafa brings. And then they say, well, Carlos has got all of that. Um, and, and in particular, just his aggression to go after people at such a young age. And um, he's got to go out there and do it yet. But, um, yeah, I, I think that Alcaraz has that ability. Sinner does as well. Um, and they've slotted in really quickly uh, in the pecking order ahead of this, this uh, so-called next generation of Zerev, Sissipas and those guys. Um, but the, the guy he beat, um, Rafa Nadal, Francis Tiafo, um, he's a hell of a player. And at 24, he's, he falls into that category as well as you know, the up-and-comers. And he set all kinds of records today for, in American tennis for the uh, youngest player to beat uh, to get to this stage I think since maybe um, 2006 so you know it's a hell of a performance by him and he is super exciting he's someone that uh, Nick Kyrgios loves playing against because of what he brings to the sport and you've got that mix right now there's no one who's a clear standout but for me if I had to pin um, one player it'd be Alcaraz. Mm. Leo, just on Serena, I mean, you ask any American, of course, she's the greatest player there's ever been. But just in uh, more recent <laughs> times, uh, I mean, there are two who haven't been too bad, Steffi Graf and Martina Navratilova. Um, you would have seen all three playing at various stages of their career. I mean, impossible to say who was the best, but, I mean, have you got a thought of between the three of them? Martina, um, I think she ended up with um, 18. Um, and um, a lot of those at Wimbledon, just a fantastic player, super dominant um, at her peak and what she went through personally and, and what she was able to do um, and achieve w was incredible. Steffi Graf, um, she won 22 majors, singles majors, won the Golden Slam in 88, which was the all four majors in a singles majors in, in the same season, plus the Olympic gold medal. Um, she retired at 30 with 22 majors um, and she was just an amazing tennis player. Um, Serena Williams retires at almost 41 uh, with with 23. Uh, for me, I, I've got Steffi in front. This is purely subjective and that's mm. the beauty of these discussions. Um, I've got her in front of, of uh, Serena and then Martina, but um, I, I also um, have an enormous respect for history and the Americans love to rewrite history um, and sometimes rewrite it without any knowledge and for them to just diminish Margaret Court at every opportunity to suit their, their narrative, I find that really offensive. But um, Steffi Graf sitting there, um, elegance and class and achievement. And for me, she was the one, never caused a problem on the court, just went out there, did a job, could win on any surface, retired at 30. If she had played to even 34, um, her number's probably looking at 27, 28 majors, but it's in that realm of the uh, hypothetical. Yeah, that's right. And a really interesting uh, comment from uh, Margaret Court came out in the uh, papers today in amongst a wide-ranging sort of interview. But she did say people sometimes forget that both I and uh, Yvonne Goolagong came back and won majors after giving birth to a child. Uh, <laughs> you get the feeling listening to that's Serena, she's the first woman to have ever given birth, although <laughs> played tennis thereafter. But, yes. uh, you know, their, their achievements are diminished uh, by the Americans a lot of the time, aren't they, those two ladies? Or particularly Margaret Court, just because of her views on other things things absolutely it's opportunism and, and it's a it's a lack of recognition of what she did achieve and um, you know she was out of the sport effectively you know 33 34 uh, which was considered old at that time but she won I think it was three majors after um, she'd had a child and uh, we've seen Kim Kleister uh, yes, do it Yvonne indeed. famously 
Um, and it's just a very, very difficult thing to do. And, and what Serena did was fantastic to get back in contention. And she won um, the Australian Open in, in 2017 when she was pregnant. Um, so she's, what she did was an amazing achievement. But with, with Margaret, it's just in, uh, relentless, this incessant push to, to drag her down. Um, and like Margaret Court, people say, oh, but she won 13 of her majors in the amateur era um, and only 11, only 11 uh, in the professional era. Well, if someone can point to me, who are the pros that were missing on the women's side mm. uh, when she was winning all these? I, th I think they'll find they're exactly the same players, including one Billie Jean King, who leads all of this stuff, um, that she was beating in the, uh, um, the open side as well. So for me, uh, Margaret, it's like apples and oranges, different era, uh, wooden rackets, different balls, etc., etc. Rod Laver says, and this is to me the punctuation mark on all of these debates, if you can aspire to be and achieve becoming the best of your generation, that's as much as you can do. Leo, uh, you return to full-time work as of Sunday, Sha Tin, September 11. The Hong Kong racing season gets underway. They're scheduling a, an opening ceremony with the uh, striking the lucky gongs and, and everything like that. Are, are we back to normal as far as COVID restrictions are concerned in Hong Kong? Will it be a normal racing season for you? Um, I'm, I'm hoping so. Uh, at this point, because of COVID, the numbers um, are, you know, at a, at a stage where the government is closely looking at everything and, and making sure that everyone is safe and healthy, um, that there will be restrictions again uh, leading into the start of the season. Um, I'm not sure what the, the crowd number will be at this stage. I think it might have been about 16,000 or so last year, and uh, which is well down on, on obviously capacity from pre-COVID days. But let's hope with the, the, um, the Chief Executive's Cup um, that we can have a, a you know, great opening. There's always a lot of ceremony and um, it's, it's a little bit similar to what happens uh, on Chinese New Year. Um, it's a huge day for um, the locals and um, it, it'll herald the start of what will again be a fascinating season. There are two new trainers this year. Uh, Jamie Richard comes in from New Zealand. Pierre Nung, uh, whose father was a trainer here um, a couple of decades ago, he's got his licence now, so um, it's going to uh, mark the start of a, of a new era from that point of view. But, yeah, it'll be a massive day out at Sha Tin on Sunday. We know you like to keep an eye on the international runners. Uh, you concurred with Greg Carpenter about Dover legend. We had a couple of comments about that a couple of weeks ago. Now $10 favourite with Tab for the Melbourne Cup. Kimura is at $18 now. We'll go around in the Irish St Ledger on Sunday. And J.D. Hayes has made the trek over to Wok Island to get a, a close look firsthand because the, the Hayes brothers will be in charge of Kimura when it arrives in Australia for the Cup. Yeah, so heading up to Ireland, uh, lucky him, uh, to uh, talk to Girl Lions. And while he's there, he'll go to uh, Bally Doyle and uh, catch up with Aidan O'Brien. And um, it'll be a great trip. So... Um, yeah, get a bit. Of, uh, that that will be uh, a, a decisive meeting uh, for lots of reasons, and um, um, it's going to be interesting to see how many runners that Racing Victoria does attract out uh, to the the spring, um, because of the the new protocols around or the existing protocols around horse fitness, etc. But yeah, that that'll that'll be a crucial meeting as we uh, head towards the spring. And when you think that um, the next round of uh, or the first round of declarations for the majors. Uh, coming out in the uh, imminent future very, very soon. Um, yeah, there's, uh, the, there are going to be some big betting moves, I'd imagine, um, and probably extending from this weekend. Well, we asked Steve Hewlett this morning if he, had, uh, if he was in James McDonald's position. 
Zaki or Animo, where would you go? He, he was going to lean towards Zaki. What about you? Who would you take the ride on? Yeah, God, that that is a dilemma. So, uh, I'm sure James is is weighing it up, but um, you know, I, th I thought Animo was huge last spring's come back well, um, but, and all the vibes around Zaki are huge. Um, we we talked about the Hayes camp before. Um, I can't imagine that anyone is going to get uh, Craig Williams off Mr. Brightside any uh, anytime soon. But yeah, for for James, sometimes choice is a bit of a curse. Uh, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he work his way through it. Leo, this time, when you joined us last week, we said, well, hopefully when you join us next week, we're talking about a couple of Aussies still in the US Open. What about this time next week, we've got a couple of winners, or at least one winner of the US Open? Well, I, you know, the, the market will say uh, that Nick Kyrgios is, um, is the one. Um, but um, don't write off Isla, she's got a tough road ahead, but, but so is Nick. And, um, you know, this has just been an incredible year for Australian tennis. It's... It's almost um, unbelievable to think that we started the year with a Grand Slam champion in Melbourne, Ash Barty, um, mm. and yeah. we could we could end the year um, yeah. potentially uh, with another Grand Slam champion in, in singles. Good on you, Leo. Always a Thanks, pleasure, Paul. mate. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers, guys.